Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. Well, let me begin by just saying great job in coming to church on the 4th of July. You, you, you have earned like a triple word score in heaven today. You know what I mean? Something like that. I don't know. Those of you online, thanks for joining us. You get a double word score. Uh, way to go. And I do hope you have a great day. And I, I really do believe that there's nothing better than worshiping Jesus uh, in the morning here and then enjoying an 85 degree 4th of July the rest of the day. That is a miracle in and of itself. Usually it's 100 degrees, unheard of. I hope you have a wonderful day. All right, we're going to get into this. Week number three of the art of living. And remember, there's a few things that I just want to set up. Remember, God is the artist and you are the art. Meaning you are a natural wonder of his creation. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a natural wonder. I hope that wasn't awkward for you. Someone just, someone just said some words of intent right there, I think. Listen, you are a natural wonder, meaning you are created, you are destined, and you are mandated by God to actually be creative, whether you feel like you're creative or not, because it's really about creating life. And we believe that God wants to create life through you. He created you to create, and we must come to the realization in our life that we aren't going to live the life that's handed to us, but we are going to live the life God created us to live. And so uh, I hope that you'll realize, um, and you probably already know this, but you're being reminded, you're being encouraged to join God in his work to recreate the world, to renew, to reestablish, to revive all that is good. That's what we're doing. That's what the art of living is all about. Amen. Amen. Are you all ready to go today? Good. This is going to be a good day. We're going to be in Acts chapter 12. And when I say in Acts chapter 12, like the whole time today, we're just going to read the Bible. And so if you want to uh, uh, open a Bible, you can or get it on your phone. NIV is what we're going to be reading. It will be on screen, of course. But we're going to be reading the Bible today. The message is titled Free to Live. Surprise, surprise. It's July 4th and we're talking about freedom. I didn't even plan it. It was just a God thing. That was a joke. I did plan it. All right, let's start reading. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. We're just going to go through this story. It's a powerful story. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now, I wanted to keep reading, but I had to pause right here because of a word that we come across. It says that Herod's intention, everyone say intention. His intention was to persecute. Now, Human intention often comes in the form of trying to harm us, doesn't it? And, and I know for some of you, you've probably have felt that intention coming at you before where someone is wanting to harm you, to keep you down, to, to, to shut you up, whatever it is, to keep you in your place. But people come with the intent to harm all the time. We read a passage like in Romans where it says, hey, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And it feels really good and it's true, but it doesn't always feel like that's the way life goes. It feels like a lot of people are against us. And I don't know if that's where you're feeling, but I do feel that someone in here, this room is probably feeling the terrible pain of someone coming against you. And I just want to say um, that the things that are God's purpose, they will always overrule human intention. 
Meaning, God sets things straight. He sets people free from fear. And he uses all things that the enemy intends for evil. He turns them on its head in order to do his good. Amen? Amen. Today's going to be a good day, friends. Verse number two. Uh, we, he had James, the brother of John, he meaning Herod, he had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. So this is not good, right? When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Now, if you aren't familiar with where we are in the story of the Bible, this is after Jesus. This is the beginning of the church, the early church. And Peter is the leader of the early church. He's one of the main leaders. So this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, Herod put Peter in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Now, that's 16 guards on one man. He must have either had a mad respect for Peter's fighting skills, or Herod must have had a little bit of fear that maybe the things that Jesus said about himself were true. Why else would he put 16 on one? Anyway, just saying. Herod intended, there's that word again, he intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Does that sound familiar? A trial after the Passover. Sounds familiar. God's plan seems to always overrule human intention. Here we go, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So Peter is in prison, and we're about to have this battle unfold, and I wonder who's going to win, right? This is a really big mystery. Is God going to win or Herod? Here we go. So again, we're going to be talking about freedom today. Because for many, the art of living begins with being free to live. It, it begins with being free to create the life that God's created you to live. For you to have the freedom to go and paint the things that God has called you to paint. Like for a lot of us, this story of Peter can feel kind of familiar because all of a sudden we can be thrown into some form of a prison unexpectedly. Like all of a sudden life comes to a screeching halt, all of a sudden life isn't what we thought it was going to be, and we find ourselves in some form of captivity. Now, there's all sorts of types of prisons we experience in life, right? Shame can be a prison, depression can be a prison, maybe sickness or disease can feel like a prison for us, mindsets can be a prison, isolation, loneliness, addiction, they are all prisons of our world, right? Fear can chain us up to where we can't feel, feel free. Anger, disappointment, self-doubt, low self-esteem. All these sorts of things can be a prison. And to be honest, all of those things I listed were things that I have talked with people about in the last year, every one of those things. Those are real things. And in the scriptures, when we read a story like in Acts 12 about Peter, who's being arrested and put in prison... I just want us to know that the Holy Spirit is actually, when, he, when we read the scripture, this story is not just about Peter and not just about his story 2,000 years ago in which he was put into a prison during a time of persecution of the church. This is actually a story about all of us. This is a story about how all of us can be enslaved by the intention of the enemy to the things of this world that look to keep us in captivity and prevent us from becoming who God has called us to become. And so this is actually a story for all of us because the enemy looks to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the primary ways he does that is by stopping us from moving, creating life, and living. And he places us in some form of captivity. I'm hoping this isn't going to talk to someone today. So this story about Peter is 
in the early church is really a story about us. Verse 5, the end of what I've read, what did it say? It said that the church was earnestly praying to God. Meaning it wasn't a halfway prayer. It wasn't some like text message like, hey, I'm praying for you. And then you forget to actually pray for them. <laughs> I've been there, right? Not to you though. That text to you was real. It wasn't a bedtime prayer or, or, or a pregame prayer. It was an earnest prayer. This is the same word that's used when Jesus was praying in the garden. You remember in Luke 22 when it says that Jesus was earnestly praying in such a way that his sweat was like drops of blood, right? Like he was in earnest prayer. And this is how they are praying for Peter. Desperate prayers of people who just lost one of their most important brothers in Christ in James. He had just been put to death by the sword. And here they are. They're praying to Peter, earnestly praying as the church because they felt like his life was hanging on by a thread. Right? You ever felt like your life is hanging on by a thread? Maybe it's not a truly life and death situation like Peter, but this week... You know, this is this, this actual phrase hanging on by a thread is, is it sort of filled my heart with some compassion because I knew that that's how a lot of us feel. Meaning we have a marriage that's hanging on by a thread or we have a faith that's hanging on by a thread. Or maybe you face some sort of sickness and it just feels like hope is hanging on by a thread. Maybe you have relationships in your life, important friendships that have become distant, that are hanging on by a thread. Maybe your patience is hanging on by a thread. Maybe mental health is hanging. You see how these are also prisons, right? Mental health is hanging on by a thread. Maybe financially you're month to month or maybe even day to day. And you just are thinking, I just don't want to have to live life hanging on by a thread. But that is your reality. Even here at this church, I feel like there are many people who feel like they're even their commitment or their relationship at church is hanging on by a thread. You're like, I used to be an every week person. Now I'm just an every once in a while person. And you feel like you're hanging on by a thread. You all know what I'm talking about. You see, when you're in some form of captivity, you're going to feel vulnerable. Like it could all come crashing down at any moment. And I believe God wants to reclaim some things today. Reclaim some freedom, some hope things that have felt like they've been lost. And, I, and that's my prayer is that, that there would be some in here today that reclaim something to where you don't feel like you're hanging on by a thread quite as much. Because I believe it is time to earnestly pray. So there's this word or this unexpected word that happens whenever it says Peter was unexpectedly put in prison. And I think for a lot of us, we are suddenly put into a situation that we weren't quite expecting which results in us hanging on by a thread. And the enemy may have intended evil upon you. And this is, again, I'm just repeating this to you, but I just want you to get this today. I'm here to declare over your life that what the enemy intends for evil, God is going to use by turning it on his head and use it for good in your life. And so right now, I know some of you are already thinking about the thing that you feel like, man, this is what God, this is what has been going on in my life. And if God could turn that around for good, that would be a, mir a miracle. God's not done. He wants to reclaim what you feel like is lost. He wants to reclaim a marriage. He wants to reclaim your place in the body of Christ. He wants to reclaim strength. There's all sorts of things he wants to reclaim. God has you. Let's keep reading verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, 
Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Now, hold up. What was Peter doing? He was asleep. He was asleep. I put myself in this position, not literally, but in my mind, and thought, what would I do if I had a good friend who was put to death by the sword and then I was put in prison and my, my trial was the next day? Would I be asleep? I would be doing everything I could. I'd be negotiating. I'd be bribing. I'd be like, listen, guard, I got some money back at my house. I can hook you up. You just got to help me. We need to do something here. I can make you better. We can, this could be a win-win thing, right? Like there could be, there'd be something, but the one thing I wouldn't do would be sleeping. In, in fact, anytime, I, the, the only times I don't sleep is when I am facing a problem that I can't solve. I'm a pretty good sleeper, but there are times whenever there's a problem that is a big problem and that's when I'm awake. That's when I can't go to sleep. Yet Peter is sleeping, which is impressive, right? And, and, and it, when I think about this, he's not only sleeping, but he's, where is he sleeping? He's sleeping between two soldiers, right? He's surrounded by his enemies. Peter must have figured some things out. Peter must have figured out that he can rest even when the world around him is restless. Peter must have figured out that he can trust God even when the future seems bleak. Peter must have figured out that his peace is not found in his circumstances, but it is found in his faith. And so what I'm wondering about is how can I go to sleep whenever something is going on around me that doesn't make me want to go to sleep? Well, then catch this, verse 7. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, because this is what God does. God suddenly shows up in your darkest moment. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and the light shone into the cell. I love this. I love this story. The Bible is so good. God finds a way to shine his light into the darkness, doesn't he? And it says that the angel, I love this, he struck Peter on the side. I just imagine he had like, he has something. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. All right, I listened to a little bit of commentary. I've been studying about this passage. And what's important to notice about this particular event is the sequence, sequence in which the chains fell off. It's simple, but it's easy to miss, right? So the angel woke him, woke him up. The angel then told him to get up and then the chains fell off last. See, the chains didn't fall off first. They fell off last. And God may have to wake you up. He may have to tell you to get up before you can be set free. And so you're going to have to get up once you, <clears throat> and once you obey and get up, that's when the chains fall off. You see, I've been talking about this for a few weeks, that obedience is your greatest work. We've been talking about how we need to obey God if we want to experience breakthrough. So your breakthrough is actually preceded by obedience. Your freedom is actually preceded by obeying, right? You have to obey before breakthrough. For example, that's why we give in faith. We give before we know that God's going to provide. We, that's why we love our enemies, because we don't know if they're going to love us back, but we love them anyway, believing that God can do things that we can't do. We do things in faith all the time, believing God has a promise behind it. It's obedience that opens the door to freedom. Are you all with me today? 
So clearly God's intent, his plan was to set Peter free. But Peter had to get up first. He had to obey first. And how often do we say, no, no, before I do that, I need, to, I need to get some things in order. I need to get my house in order. I need to take care of some business first. I got some things to do. I'll get back to church when I, when I get my life right. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't even worship right now because I'm kind of a mess. And so we start to think, you know, I, don't, I can't be super committed to Jesus. I just want to be committed enough to get my assurance in heaven but also kind of have what I want here on earth. And so what happens is, in other words, we want the chains to fall off first because that's easier. We want God to give us freedom without obedience. Then we wonder why, when we're in that situation, why we don't feel free. And instead of looking in the mirror, we start to doubt God. And so what happens is because we don't obey, we don't feel free, but then we think that's God's responsibility. But he didn't say, he, the angel didn't show up and take his chains off. The angel showed up, woke him up. Uh, then, he, then he told him to get up. Then, he, then the chains fell off. Are you all following me today? Obedience isn't always easy, I'll admit it. Many times we're ready to go and live free, to go and paint a life with Jesus. But then we wake up. Uh, we wake up and the situation feels impossible. We wake up and we realize there's two soldiers right here. We're like, hold on. Peter, Peter wasn't like this. He wasn't, you know what I mean? He's like, listen, angel, do you, can you see the situation I'm dealing with here? I got two problems here. And oftentimes before we obey and get up, we prioritize the problem over the promise. And so we think I got to deal with the problem and then I'll get to the promise. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to deal with the problem. I need you to just go and be obedient to who I've called you to be and the things I've called you to do. You let me deal with what I deal with and you be who I've called you to be. You see, we overthink the circumstance instead of obey his command. And this is a big one. You actually need to look at your neighbor and just say, quit overthinking. We overthink everything, don't we? Sometimes I'm writing a text and it takes me 10 minutes to write two sentences to someone because I'm overthinking what I want to say to that person. Because I'm like, I don't know what they think by what I'm writing here. So I need to think differently about what I'm writing so they won't think differently of me. You know what I'm talking about? We overthink everything. We overthink what others think of us. Right now, we have millions of people in our country overthinking their return to church. Is that real? So here's the thing, like COVID took so many people out of church and out of the routine of church. And I get it. I get it. It should have. It was something that our, our nation went through. But now we have all these people who haven't been to church in a long time and they're overthinking, is it going to be weird if I go back? And we have this thing in our nation. And I'm talking to the preaching the choir right now because you're here. But what I would say is we need to be praying for the church, not only in our nation, but in our world, because we need people to quit overthinking and we need to get them back into the thing that they know they ought to be doing. Anyway, that was a sidebar. <clears throat> I was like, should I say that? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, <clears throat> verse eight, then the angel said to him, Put your clothes, put, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around, around you and follow me. And that sounds like Jesus. Follow me, the angel told him. 
So the angel tells Peter to get dressed. That's another. That, there's so many really good, like, we're kind of supposed to put on some clothes, not the prison clothes. We're supposed to let those go. We're supposed to put on the right clothes. Okay. So the angel tells Peter to get dressed. Peter didn't say, hold on, listen, can we just get out of here as fast as possible because we got these two guards sleeping here? I mean, ain't nobody got time for getting dressed, right? That's what he, that's what he should have said. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that was fun for me. Um, ain't nobody got time, but we need to get out of here as fast as possible. That's what Peter should have said, right? But, but Peter didn't argue. He just did what he was told. And here's what I, here's what I was thinking is like, man, sometimes the light shines into the darkness and we question the light. So he didn't question what the angel said. The, the light shone into his cell. And you, a lot of times what we do is when we're struggling in life and we're dealing with chain and the light shines in, we question its purpose. We question if we should trust it. Let me give you an example. If you're in the chains of anger against someone and the light shines in and, t- and tells you to dress yourself in kindness to the person you're showing you have anger towards. We have to trust the light shining in because here's what the chains do. The chains want to keep you. They want to have you, but the light aims to free you. And often we question what the light's doing because it challenges everything about our flesh. We want to conquer. And he says, no, 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 no. I want you to humble yourself. And I wonder if God is talking to anyone today. I, this, this story is unbelievable. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison. Okay, so the angel said, follow me. And then Peter followed. Man, Jesus sets the captives free, right? And he followed him out of the prison. But get this part. But he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Now, when I read that part, I was like, dang it, man. Like, that is like me. God is working and I have no idea. Like 2020, like that vision comes to me in hindsight, right? Like I'm like, oh yeah, God worked. Yeah, that was him totally. But during the moment, during the struggle, all I saw was the struggle. But I didn't know that God was actually doing some things. So here's what I want to say is if you are in the struggle, it's hard to see what God's doing. But here's what he will do is he'll, you're going to get some prompts that seem random, like get up and get dressed. And that's where you need to obey because you don't know where he's leading you yet, but he is, he is prompting things in you. It may not be clear where he's taking you, but he is moving. Anyone else experience 2020 vision a year later? Yeah, we're so smart after the fact, aren't we? Verse 10. They passed the first and second guards and they came to the iron gate leading to, say it with me, the city. It always leads to the city, friends. That's why we bring in life to the city. I just put that in there. I don't think that's what it means, but it opened for them. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. They went through it. Peter went through the gate. It was the door that God opened to him, opened for him. How many of you know that sometimes you're going to have to go through things that it's not always, you're not always sure what's going to happen on the other side. God will open doors. He will give us opportunities, but he opens the gate and then he makes us walk through it. Last week, we did a message called don't miss the opportunity. And, and really the, the idea of that is, is it possible that in your darkest moments, 
God may open a door that you never saw coming. And I just want to say, don't miss that opportunity. Walk through that door. Because that's what Jesus does. He always opens doors. The gospel always calls us to do things we never saw coming. The gospel actually causes us to like things we never thought we'd even like. You have to trust God to lead you out. God will get you through. I don't know how, when, or with what means. But I know it says in Isaiah 61, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, that Jesus has come to set the captives free. He's always going to open a door out of your prison. Let's keep reading. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. I like that word, suddenly. I was talking to a friend of mine recently about this word, suddenly. You know, in some ways, Peter was put into this prison suddenly, wasn't he? But God suddenly does stuff all the time. And we truly have to be ready for the suddenly, because oftentimes when the suddenly comes and we aren't ready for it, we miss it. Peter suddenly had to figure out the next step of where to go. The angel left him. How many of you know that God equips us, he enables us to do things on our own? That there are things that God is going to do because only God can do them, but there are points in our journey where he says, I've equipped you and enabled you for the steps ahead. That's called walking by the Spirit, a mind governed by the Spirit. You ever felt God suddenly say, okay, now go and do this. You ever felt God suddenly say, I want you to change course. I want you to invite something new into your life. You ever felt God suddenly change the direction in which you thought you ought to go? And just because it suddenly doesn't mean it's, does not mean it's not intentional. I believe suddenly is not accidental. That it's often God's very intentional way of growing us. He's like, will you trust me? I'll take you this far but then suddenly, I'm going to trust, he says, I'm going to trust you to create the rest of the way. This is what it t- we talk about, the art of living, the idea of creating life. We got to allow God to do what he does. And we got to trust that he's created us to do what only we can do. So what did Peter do? He's left alone. And it says this in verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. Way to go, Peter. You finally figured it out. And from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. So this is John Mark. Where many people had gathered and were praying. So we're back to that scene, right? The church is coming together and they're fervently praying. They're earnestly praying. So Peter went to the place that he knew he should go. Now, this is really important because think about how many times in life when things get difficult, when even, ever, even whenever you, you, you're facing like one of your darkest hours, what do we typically do? Well, he didn't run. He didn't go, he didn't go run and try and hide. Like he had just got out of prison. You think he would be afraid that they would be coming after him. He didn't run and hide. He didn't do the Jonah thing and go buy a ticket to, to go to the farthest away place he could go. He didn't. He didn't do any of that. He actually ran to his community. Uh, He ran to his people. 
And I think about how often have I seen and maybe even experienced my own life when everything's get hard, I like to withdraw. I don't want to go to people. I want to withdraw and I want to isolate and I don't want anybody to talk to me. I don't want anybody to mess with me. Maybe I'm embarrassed. Maybe I'm afraid. Maybe it's it's whatever. But see, that's one of the other schemes of the enemy. He wants to isolate you in order to attack you. One of my favorite shows I've talked about this before is on Discovery, though, and it talks about how whenever, whenever predators are trying to seek prey, whenever lions are trying to devour le- zebras, guess what they do? They don't go to the herd. They go to the isolated animal, the one by himself. That's the one they attack. And, I, and I'm, wondering, I'm wondering, in this story, Peter's left by himself, and suddenly he has to choose the next step. And he says, I know exactly where to go. I need to go to my community. I need to go to my people. And he shows up there. Peter ran to community. And what were they doing? They were praying. Don't you know it took some faith to keep praying? James was dead. They're pretty sure Peter's about to die. But they're praying. And when he got there in verse 13, this is one of my favorite parts of the story. When Peter knocked at the outer entrance... A servant named Rhoda, I like that name too, um, came to answer the door. When she recognized it was Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. I love that detail. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he's like, I'm not leaving that out. That's funny. She didn't even open the door. And then they said, you're out of your mind, Rhoda. They told her when she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be an angel. What did they say? What did they say? It must be an angel. It can't be Peter. This should be a little confusing. They were praying for a miracle. And when Rhoda comes and says, it's at our doorstep, Peter is here. They said, you're crazy. It's not out there. What are you talking about, woman? There's no way that Peter is out there. (laughs) They're praying for a miracle. And when it shows up on their doorstep, they don't have the faith to believe that God provided a miracle. Here's the thing. I am so, I'm moved by their earnest prayer through this story. But I'm also, we're dealt with the reality of what we do in prayer. We pray for things that we don't often have the faith to believe will happen. We pray for things, yet our heart really struggles. I pray for healing, but I don't know if it'll happen to me. I pray for breakthrough and revival, but I think that's just more of like a, you know, Christianese sort of like, you know, yeah, pipe dream. Things are what they are. It is what it is. This is the world. Get real. God doesn't do miraculous things. God doesn't do crazy things. Everything. And so we pray for things. Oh, yeah, God, would you, would you send your spirit and do only things that you can do? And then we go turn around and go, well, now what can I do? And we don't ask the Lord to do what he can do. And I, and I think about this 
part of the story and it, and, it, and it feels so real to me. It like comes and hits me in the face. Because I know in prayer, we can get frustrated by the things that God's not done yet. And I just always like to say this, just remember God's not done yet. And so we may, we may lose faith in prayer, but this is exactly what this is exactly what I want us to capture about prayer today. This isn't the point of the message, but it is a part of the points. We can't just be earnest in prayer. We have to be earnest in our faith. We have to be earnest in the belief of the things that we are praying for. So they're saying, no, it's just an angel. So verse 16, what does Peter do? Peter kept on knocking. So he didn't run, he didn't bust through the door. He just kept on knocking at the door and eventually they had to open that door and they had to see if it was possible. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. You have to open the door when that miracle comes knocking. You have to, you have to believe it's, it's the same principle of saying, I have to get up before the chains will fall off. I have to obey. I have to open that door before the breakthrough comes. In Revelation, it says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks at the door of our heart. It, it's, it's him saying, will you open your life up to me? Will you allow me to shine the light into the darkness? Because Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. But he does give us a choice, doesn't he? He gives us a choice to believe. He wants you to stand up before the chains fall off. He wants you to walk through the doors that he opens. He wants you to be ready for the suddenly, to believe that he's equipped you and readied you for the moment. He wants you to pray, but more importantly, he wants you to, to believe, to have the faith to believe that he can do anything. And so my encouragement today is if you find yourself in some form of captivity, in some form of chain or some sort of bondage or some sort of thing that just keeps you from really living free. First, we have to obey him. We have to obey him. We have to get up and walk through the doors that he opens. Only you can determine what that obedience looks like for this next step of your journey. Secondly, we need to do what he's enabled us to do. We are not helpless. We are made powerful through Christ. In us is the spirit of God. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that resides in you and me. We have been enabled by his spirit to do more than we ever thought possible. And thirdly, we cannot forget community. We can't keep withdrawing into our own isolated bubbles, realizing or thinking that we can do it on our own. But no, we have to surround ourselves with a community of believers who will pray and we will work it out. Even in our shortcomings, when our, when our prayers lack faith, we will figure it out in the end that no, 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 we can put faith in God together. And last, the last thing I want you to notice about Acts chapter 12, we're not going to read this, but at the end of chapter 12, Herod is dead. And Peter is not only alive, but he's free. What the enemy intends for evil, God will turn it on his head and turn it into good. Today, I don't know if, there's some, if you feel like there's something that's chained you. Maybe you don't feel free. And here's the thing that's sneaky about uh, that captivity we face in life. Is sometimes we just say, oh, it's, just, it's just my lot in life. It's my thorn in my flesh. It's my thing I got to deal with. And we accept our captivity. 
We accept our bondage. We accept the chains we live with. Jesus came to set the captives free, including you. So if you're hanging on by a thread, I just want to ask you today, what do you need freedom from in order to really live? What do you need freedom from in order to really live? And that's a question that only you can answer. But maybe it's time to get up so the chains can fall off. Maybe it's time to walk through the gate that God is opening for you. Maybe it's time to trust that he's enabled you. And maybe it's time to run to community instead of withdrawing. Maybe it's time for all of those things. But I know for sure it's time to pray, to pray earnestly, and to have the faith to believe. So here's how I want to close. I want to close with a time of prayer. Because I believe that in this moment, we can bring some of these things to the Lord. That we can just say, Lord, I, I, I have this thing that I just want to surrender to you. And I want to ask you to do what you can do. And I'll do what I can do. So we're going to go into just the time of response and ministry. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray together. And I always, I always just encourage this, but of course, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this, in this moment. And if you want to just re be in a posture of receiving the, the hands in front of you, is always a, just a great way to just surrender your, your own life right now to them. I mean, if you feel comfortable doing that, put your hands in front of you. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We already know he's here, but we want to invite him to come in a way that welcomes him into your heart right now, welcomes him into what you need done. And so, Father, we invite your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite your presence to come and move in us right now. We invite you, God. We welcome your presence. In fact, you can just welcome him right now in your own way. You say, Lord, I welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, what do you need freedom from in order to really live? It could be comparison, it could be jealousy, it could be anger, it could be loneliness, it could be depression, it could be mental health, it could be, it could be so many things. And it, I don't mean that it's, these journeys are always a snap of the finger, but it might be the simplicity of obeying one step at a time. He wants to set you free. What do you need freedom from in order to really live? Can you answer that question today? And what does it mean to get up and obey God right now? I want you to imagine the light shining into your own cell and responding to that light no matter what it means. Whether it's clothing yourself, whether it's getting up. What does it mean to get up? And I just want to pray over anybody. So this gives us the time to connect to say, Lord, I'm dealing with this. And if you are dealing with something that you just need freedom, of, freedom from, no one's looking around, but this is just a, I love to pray over you. Would you just lift your hand and you're saying, would you pray? I, I, I do need freedom to live right now. I need some freedom in my life. I feel, go ahead and lift your hand. If you have the courage, there's no shame. No one's looking around. Just lift it, lift it up. It's just going to be a prayer that we believe the Holy Spirit can release power through prayer. And so just lift your hand up if you haven't yet. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what only you can do. We receive your presence right now. We receive the work that you can do. We ask for chains to be broken. You are the chain breaker. You are 
the only one that can do some of the work that we need done in our life. And so, Lord, would we quit turning to the wrong sources and may we turn to you, Father, wholeheartedly believing in faith that only you can do this. So for anyone who needs healing today, if that's their bondage, we just pray healing, emotional, spiritual, physical healing that would be released in this room in a way that people would feel your work right now. Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you do this for people right now in this moment? For people that are dealing with other issues of shame or guilt or sin, we just pray freedom from sin. May, with, may your grace and mercy fall in this room. May people feel your love. And Father, we just pray over the enemy's schemes to make us fall for the lure of wealth or power or comparison or one-upping in this world or feeling like we need to be superior in some way. Would you break that chain? Would you humble us before you, as it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14? Would we humble ourselves before you? Not trying to, to, to get our leg up in the world, not trying to, um, to be that person who looks for the survival of the fittest, but one who surrenders all things to you. Break the chain that is pride in this world and in our lives. The word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Every day you can, you can enter into his presence and say, Holy Spirit, come right now. Come into my life. I need your freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We thank you for that truth, Jesus. We thank you for that truth, our heavenly father. We pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Well, listen, if we can talk with you, we can pray with you. Our prayer team will be here. We'd love nothing more than to pray with you today about the things going on in your life. If you have any questions about the Lord, of course, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to know Jesus as your savior. Nothing is more important than that decision in your life. And then, of course, there's the other things that you see on the screen, whether it be if you'd like to give an offering today, we have our joy boxes in the back. You can give online. You can give through our app. And it's just a joy to, to give to the Lord, to be faithful to him. And so we encourage you to do that. And we thank you for doing that. Next step, Scott mentioned it earlier, make sure you go out to the welcome table. We'd love to meet you, talk with you, and we'd love to get you connected uh, and taking the next step in our church. Well, you guys have an amazing 4th of July, all right? Grace and peace, my friends. We love you. Have a good day. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.